Good morning. I'm Evan Shecklin, discipleship pastor, and I have a big question for you. Are we there yet? The worst question ever uttered from the backseat of a moving vehicle. We uh, don't take a lot of long family trips, or we haven't yet, Ronnie and I, but when we have, we usually try to put together like an activity bag or something, something to keep Owen busy in the, in the back seat so he doesn't die of boredom and ask that question. And so we do a pretty good job of putting things together, and unfortunately, he usually blows through the entire bag in 20 minutes of the six-hour trip, and then the question begins, are we there yet? And as the loving father that I am, I usually answer, does it look like we're there yet? Can't you, don't you know what the destination is? And, but what if we don't know what the destination is? Shouldn't the destination be obvious to the traveler? But it, it is helpful, though, when we don't necessarily know what the destination is, to at least have an idea of we're getting close, some mile markers, so to speak. So I usually try when we're going to, you know, Chicago to see his grandparents, I usually try to give them uh, mile marker, not mile markers, but, you know, landmarks or something to, to view and say, oh, okay, we're coming up to the oasis. That means we're getting close. Now, spiritually speaking, we are on a journey. And everyone who calls himself a disciple is on this spiritual journey. The question is, do we know what our destination looks like or even what it is? And how do we know if we're making any progress? Are we there yet? Now, we're going to get to the progression. We're going to fill out this chart here, and that's going to help us understand some mile markers, some milestones, the progression. But before we start doing that, we need to know what our destination is. So on this spiritual journey, where are we going? We're going to cover several scriptures, but we're going to start in Philippians 3. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them with me to Philippians 3. We're going to start in verse 8, and Paul gives us some insight into what our destination, uh, our destination is. So Philippians 3, 8 through 15, Paul says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what, uh, that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things." So, our destination as a disciple on our spiritual journey is righteousness, to be right with God. Now, not righteousness of our own efforts, Paul says, that can't be achieved, but righteousness through faith in Christ, 
So we have faith in Christ. We receive righteousness. Are we there yet? Not yet. Because Paul had faith, and yet he claims he hadn't obtained full righteousness. He has to press on towards the goal, as do the rest of us. Hold on to Philippians, and let me share with you Hebrews 10, 14, because that's going to give us a little bit more insight uh, into this. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Now, we're talking about Jesus's uh, sacrificial death. And some translations will use the word sanctified in both, uh, in both parts of the sentence. He sanctified those who are being sanctified. We've got the same Greek word with two different tenses. We have been made perfect through His death, and we continue to be made perfect in this life. When we put our faith in Christ, we accept the gift of grace and become right in His eyes because of Jesus' blood. But in this life, we have to press on towards the goal of righteousness or Christ-likeness, by taking on the characteristics of Christ, this is the journey. We progress on towards the goal, traveling on this spiritual journey. Now, let's go back to Philippians, but this time let's read in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul tells us to work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases Him. As a result of our salvation, we ought to seek after Jesus to become more and more like Him. That's discipleship. That's the spiritual journey that we're on. So our destination, righteousness, is to be like Christ. Are we there yet? Not even close. That almost seems unattainable to be like Christ. And when our goals are unattainable, it's very easy to want to just give up. But maybe we should look at spirit, the spiritual journey that we're on in a slightly different lens. The destination stays the same, righteousness, to be like Christ. But how we stay on the road towards our destination could be defined by continual transformation, passing mile markers, if you will. It's like setting a long-term goal, and it's a really lofty goal, and after year one, you're like, I'm not ever going to make that. I'm just going to give up. No, what you need to do is set small goals so that you maintain and persevere and endure, and slowly you're inching towards your large goal. So let's focus on continuous transformation in the day-to-day -day with righteousness as our destination. But how do we know we're progressing or continuously transforming on our spiritual journey? We need landmarks, milestones, so that we can focus for the rest of the time. Every believer can continuously transform towards righteousness by walking through four stages of spiritual maturity. And we're going to get to those stages in just a minute. But there's two pre-stages, so to speak, that we, we need to cover first. Now, without, without Christ, Scripture says that we are spiritually dead. Paul says in Romans 5... Verse 12, he explains that sin entered the world through Adam, death came through sin, and death came to all people because everyone sinned. So, without Christ, spiritually, we are all dead. That's a problem. 
what do we do? Well, if we look at John 3, we see Jesus having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was told by Jesus that he must be born again. So if we are spiritually dead, there is hope. We just have to be born again. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time uh, on this transition because next week, Barry is going to take a deep dive into the transition from death to life. What I want to do this morning is continue to introduce you to the rest of the stages on this spiritual journey. So, if, if you are spiritually dead, you need to be born again. And once you've been born again, you need to continuously transform towards righteousness, and we start as infants. We're spiritual infants. And by the way, this is not something that I came up with. Um, it's Jim Putman is an author of Real Life Discipleship. He's also a pastor at Real Life Ministries uh, out in Idaho Springs, I believe. And Real Life Discipleship, uh, he outlines uh, the, the four spiritual stages of, of uh, spiritual maturity. And we're going to continue to add to this, and we're going to uh, use uh, this chart to lay out this huge concept. But we sat down with Cody and Chelsea Custer as we were preparing this, and we wanted to hear them talk about their personal journeys through their spiritual maturity. And we're going to take a look at their story in segments as they show us how they continue to transform towards righteousness. So in order to understand this infant stage a little bit better, we're going to take a look at this stage and hear from the Custers. I did not grow up in church. In fact, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've been to church, including our wedding day. So I grew up going to church, went through all the necessary steps to become a Christian, what I thought. We didn't really talk about Jesus in my, in my home. I think my parents really thought that taking us to church was pretty much all they needed to do. When I was really, I would say, maturing into a young man where I really started to sense something missing, so I actually turned to worldly things to try to identify purpose and provision and guidance. And so what I thought was gonna give me this direction was things that were really hard to, what I perceived as really hard to obtain. And so then it turned into more money, more accolades, higher up the ladder within a corporation. I had become a stay-at-home mom for the very first time, and then I realized how isolating and lonely that really could be, and so I was looking for some people to just relate with, and so that's when Anastasia's friends invited us to come to Bettendorf Christian Church for the first time. And for my story, it's really what changed is sitting down and clearly hearing who Christ is, what He's done for us, and understanding who we were created to be and, and really truly who we are, that really changed everything. And so from there, it really, I would say, launched us into different priorities, different identities, different goals, and how do I do something with that moving forward. So Cody had never even heard the gospel before, and Chelsea grew up in the church, but never really understood the importance of uh, having a relationship with Christ, didn't even know what that really was, and they both obviously felt something missing. And so Cody turned to his career and 
possessions. And Chelsea, now a stay-at-home mom, sought after relationships. And thankfully, she found those relationships in a church family. Because that's how Cody heard the gospel for the very first time. And that's how Chelsea heard the gospel explained to her in such a way that she understood, wow, I need a relationship and I can have a relationship with Jesus. And as they both came to Christ, a whole new world was opened up to them. And they began seeking after spiritual things rather than worldly things. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do when we're first born. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, at this point in their lives, Cody and Chelsea were infants. Now, don't confuse physical age and even biblical knowledge for spiritual maturity. Because let me show you an example of some disciples who probably should have been further along, but they were still infants. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, Paul writes this, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Instead, you, indeed, you still are not ready. You are still worldly. And here we have an example of adults in Corinth who uh, are as disciples, but they seem to not even want to mature from infancy. So we can't mistake physical age with spiritual maturity. I heard of a man who had been a Christian for 22 years, and he thought, I'm a 22-year-old Christian. But when he really thought about it and understood where he was in his spiritual maturity, he admitted being a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Now, the Custers, on the other hand, they knew that they were spiritual babies, and they wanted to grow. If you're an infant, you need to continuously transform towards righteousness by by becoming a spiritual child. And so, we're going to go back to the Custers' story and hear what this stage looks like for them. So we started getting a little bit more plugged in at the church. I joined MOPS and really grew in that. I had saw that these other moms that were raising their kids in a Christian home and praying with their kids, and they got invited to a Bible study. And that was just amazing because at first I was like, I don't really get it. It took some time, but I kept kept with it. And that's where I just saw um, the application of the Bible come to life and be able to apply it in my home. It started to transform the girl. I think one of the big things that helped was being in community, being around others who were further in their faith. We were looking for mentors um, and we were invited to a small group or life group at that time. But also, I joined a young men's Bible study. For me, that was really impactful just because it was walking along with others who could hold me accountable, um, but also challenge me in my faith. Being okay asking questions that maybe I'm a little unsure about, I think that was really something that was challenging because you don't want to sound, you really don't know what's going on. Just being able to process what's in God's Word, how to read Scripture, for me, that was really impactful. So the Custers were seeking community as spiritual children and, and knowledge from those who were more mature in their faith. And that's, that's exactly what we need to do. And they became sponges of the Word. They just could not soak up enough. Spiritual children, naturally, are consumers. And there's nothing wrong with that while you're a spiritual child. Children need parenting. Children need, need parents who can feed them 
Children need a parent to teach them basic life skills. So while you're in the spiritual childhood stage, you need to be cared for in this way. But just as we expect our children to physically grow, we expect our spiritual children to grow up and not need daily instruction on the basics. So Hebrews 6.1 tells us, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Here's my concern. I'm concerned that most American Christians are spiritual children because who wouldn't want to stay a child? You got all your needs met. You get summers off. You get a month off for Christmas. You have very little responsibility as a child. It's pretty nice. But we have to continue to grow. Remember, we need to keep traveling, continuously transforming on this spiritual journey. Children aren't self-feeders. Children are fed by someone else. We need to dig into the Word and become self-feeders. We can be children and come to church. We can be children and participate in a life group. We can be children and serve. But as children, we do it as long as self-gain outweighs the sacrifice. So if you're a child, then you need to continuously transform towards righteousness through becoming a spiritual young adult. And this transition is certainly not easy. So let's go ahead and hear from the Custers again about what their journey looks like in this stage. I think one thing that actually stemmed from the Bible studies that we were in was being asked to go on a mission trip, going uh, to the Navajo Native American Reservation, and was a little bit unsure about what that would look like, but knew in studying God's Word, He does tell us to go. Felt the Lord kind of leading me to go to that, and, and at the same point, as a young father, to take our, at the time, our oldest daughter with us. I think God worked in big ways in my heart during that trip to see things differently. He opened my eyes to see people the way that He sees people. And it turned from an inward, I want more for myself, to a, it's not always about me. I remember sitting there uh, with a family, uh, me and Cecilia were, and this young family um, was not only homeless, but the father was getting ready to be incarcerated the next day and we're asked to pray over them. What do you pray over somebody in that moment other than God help us? So we came home and signed up for the next mission trip three months later. What I learned is like, I can tell Jesus through my actions. And so just loving on people, inviting people into our home, doing a service project, whether it be Operation Christmas Child or um, we cut jeans to make shoes one time too for a MOPS activity. Just open other people's eyes too to see the God's people. I love their story. A simple invitation to get involved in mission projects was exactly what they needed. It's what God used to make a tremendous transformation in their lives from child to young adult, from a self-centered consumer to someone who saw people the way God sees people. And this is a, a pretty difficult uh, 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 transition to make 
because we don't want to die to ourselves. We don't want to give up our selfishness. We want to be consumers. It's easier. But when we make our transition from consumer and self-centeredness to others-focused, we really see others, how God sees them. That's probably the hardest transition, I think, that we need to make as Christians. And I think this is where we probably would put the 12 disciples in their spiritual maturity towards the end of their discipleship with Jesus, and maybe even a little bit after Jesus left them. Jesus trained them perfectly, but they still had to practice and mature into their role as disciple-makers so, because they were to establish the church. And I think of Peter in Acts 10 when he has a vision from God, and what looks like a white sheet comes down from the sky, and standing on it were animals that had previously been considered unclean. And God tells Peter that nothing he created is unclean. And Peter then goes to Cornelius's house, a Gentile, and Cornelius and his whole household receives the Holy Spirit. And it's then that Peter fully understands the breadth of God's salvation plan, and anyone, even non-Jewish people, can become disciples of Jesus. See, Peter had been serving. He, he loved others, but he had some blinders on, and he wasn't seeing all people the way God sees all people. It was then that he really became a young adult and moving forward. So, as young adults, if you're a spiritual young adult, you need to continuously transform towards righteousness by then becoming a spiritual parent. Now, notice we're using the word parent and not just adult, because the difference between an adult and a parent is parents reproduce. Parents bring up the next generation. That's a very important difference. So, now let's take a look at our last video with Cody and Chelsea on this stage. Actually, Cody would come home from every mission trip and be like, I can't keep going to work. Like, I know that I need to be doing something different. I would wrestle with that because I wasn't feeling that. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know how we can align our hearts. Like, he's over here and I'm over here and I don't, I don't know how we do it. We continue to pray about it and ask the Lord. So I totally wanted to ignore what God had on our, our uh, radar. And uh, I just tried to ignore his call and he just kept putting it back in our, in our path. Really what it came down to was me trusting the Lord. We were introduced to Transworld Radio a couple different times. The Lord put it in our path, mostly because I missed it the first time. <laughs> um, I think we both have a burden for lost souls mm -hmm. and that we need to do something. There's over three billion people who remain completely unreached from the gospel of Christ. Their desire is to reach the unreached, getting the gospel message, God's scripture, God's word into areas that are very challenging or difficult to get into. They had a huge need for somebody with mechanical and technical skill sets. That's exactly what I've been equipped with. I think it's hard to know that leaving family, leaving friends, leaving a wonderful church family behind, but when it's all for Christ, um, it's worth it and seeing the transformation in our own lives. We also saw this as an opportunity to take our kids and show them what it's like to walk out their faith. Yeah, and I think the other part of that though is seeing his faithfulness through it all. Mm -hmm. That even in our mistakes, 
in our growth opportunities. His faithfulness is so incredibly humbling, but it truly is for, for our good and for his. Becoming a parent can be terrifying. You enter into a phase of life where you have more responsibility than ever before. But I, I absolutely love Chelsea's humility and honesty here because she said that she wanted to ignore the call, but deep down she knew that she couldn't. And so it came down to, yet again, putting trust in the Lord. And God made their calling very clear. Right now, they're trying to raise support so that they can uh, go and fulfill their call and work with Transworld Radio in Guam so that billions of people can have access to the gospel over radio. And as they do this work there, they're going to continue to spiritually parent their, their own girls and uh, continue to they'll find a new community in which they'll be spiritual parents too as well. As parents, it is just so amazing to watch your kids grow. Physically, I looked at an old video from Owen when he just learned how to walk. It was just the coolest thing ever. I have loved watching all of the developmental stages. And yet somehow, it's even more amazing to see your spiritual children grow. The Apostle John, in his third letter, in his old age, he said, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. At this point, the Apostle John, he was definitely a spiritual parent. He was probably a spiritual grandparent or maybe even a spiritual great-grandparent because he had multiplied disciples who then made disciples. And he said, there is no greater joy than seeing your children following the truth. And God is glorified in this. Parenthood, though, is not the destination. Remember, it might be the fourth quadrant, but it's not the destination. Because as especially with first-time parents, first-time parents have infants. You think that you experience life maybe a little differently uh, as a parent with an infant. And then you have areas to grow as a parent of an infant. And then as your spiritual child grows into a child and then a young adult and then helping them become a parent. And then you become a spiritual grandparent and the cycle starts over again. Now the problem with this chart though is it's on one plane. It actually needs to have a third dimension because so imagine Jesus, righteousness, our, our goal is out here. Our destination is right here. Okay, so we're continuing our cycle over and over again as we multiply disciples and experience and we grow. Parents need to grow, but we're also on a funnel. And so figure this circle narrowing down as we cycle through going closer and closer to Christ. And hopefully we're funneling down as a cone so that we pinpoint ourselves to righteousness just as Christ was. And so I can't draw that, but imagine that funnel because that's the journey that we need to be on. Just because you reach parenthood doesn't mean that you've arrived. Now, I know that's a very brief introduction to four stages, but throughout this whole series, we're going to unpack each stage, and we're going to have more details, and we can get a clearer picture of where we are as individuals on this spiritual journey, and how we can continue growing and traveling on this spiritual uh, maturity journey. 
And as we go through the series, it's important, though, to remember that we should not think of these stages implying levels of greater worth. If we start thinking that way, we put our focus on people rather than God. And we're not talking about levels of worth. We're talking about levels of understanding, levels of relationship, where you are on the journey. Just because you're 10 miles down the road doesn't make you any better or more worthy than someone who's just starting out. So to offer some, some extra help as we all are on this spiritual journey, we put together what we call the foundational five adult Bible classes. And so the first we're going to be offering is called What is Christianity? And Aaron Mack, one of our elders here, he's going to be teaching this class starting on January 17th. It's a four-week class, and he's going to teach this class, and he's going to explain the gospel. And if you're someone who needs to hear the gospel and understand it, just like Cody needed to hear it for the first time, and Chelsea needed to hear it in a way that she understood it, you need to take this class. If you're someone, maybe you're a young adult or a parent, and you say, well, I know the gospel, but do you know it well enough to teach it? Because if you can't teach it, you don't know it well enough. So maybe you could benefit from taking this class and knowing, learning how to explain it to someone in a clear and concise manner. So just because it, it sounds like a basics class, what is Christianity? is really a good start for anybody. So this four-week class will start January 17th. It's going to run at 1030 in person. But we're also going to open it up for a, a, a virtual participation. So you can register for this class at our BCC app. It's under the events page on our app. And if you don't have our app, or if you're here, you can go to Guest Central, uh, and they can help you register right after the service. If you're watching from home and you can't figure out the app, call the church. I want to take down any hurdles that might be in your way from per, uh, pursuing righteousness. And I think this could be a great, a great help. Now, I said foundational five. There's four other classes that we're going to be rolling out. The next one is who was a disciple. Now, that won't be uh, out until March, but that's going to characterize those who follow Christ. The next one is what do I have to offer? And that's actually going to be offered starting February 21st. And that's going to be covering who we are in reference to God and how I can bring Him glory with everything that I have. What do I have to offer? February 21st. The next class, how do I share my story? That's actually going to be taught by Barry. It's a two-week class, February 7th and 14th. I'll be back up here on stage for those weeks while he teaches how do I share my story. Every one of us is writing a story between us and God. And the chapters that we're writing We need to understand how those chapters can be told in a relational way so that others can understand how they too can move from death to life or infancy to childhood, childhood to young adult, young adult to parenthood. Your story matters so much. Do you know how to share it in a relational way? Barry's going to lead through that on February 7th. And then the fifth class, we're still developing this one, but we're going to call it How to View the World Through a Biblical Lens, a Biblical Worldview class. Again, we're developing this class, so it won't be available until a little bit later, but these classes we want to have as uh, people can cycle through because I think they're extremely important to have that knowledge and then to start down the path wherever you might be starting. 
So be looking forward to those. And there's just, those are just a few ways that we can take action to continuously transform towards righteousness. Now, there's one more thing that I'd like to mention as we're talking about spiritual maturity. Because we have a problem with American Christians. In the first century church, we can read about in Acts 2, Peter gives an awe-inspiring, Holy Spirit-driven sermon, and 3,000 disciples were added to the church that day. So the church birthed 3,000 disciples. In AD 100, it's estimated that there were 25,000 disciples. So in 100 years, 25,000 disciples from the 3,000. By AD 350, it's estimated that there were 30 million followers of Christ. So in less than 350 years, the church went from 3,000 to 30 million disciples. That's multiplication. Fast forward to 1950 in China. It's estimated in 1950 that there were 1 million Christians. 42 years later, 1992, it's estimated that there were 75 million believers in China. So in 42 years, the church in China went from 1 million to 75 million. That's multiplication. Now let's talk about the United States. According to the Pew Research Center, in 2010, 77% of American adults, when asked to identify a religious affiliation, they said they identified as Christian. In 2019, only 65% of that same group claimed Christianity. Meanwhile, the religious unaffiliated share of the population, consisting of atheists, agnostics, or those who said they, were, they wouldn't consider any, you know, anything particular, now stands at 26%, up from 17% just 10 years ago. The church in America is dying. That's a problem. And this is not a political or governmental problem. This is a spiritual maturity problem with our church. You could argue that if the government made more Christian-based decisions, then it would be easier to be a disciple of Jesus. But that certainly wasn't the case in the early church who was under severe persecution. And it's certainly not the case for the church in China. And they all multiplied as disciples. So this is not a political problem. This is a spiritual maturity problem amongst Christians in the United States because we're still children. We can't get over our consumerism enough to cross that line to become young adults and grow as parents to make disciples. We're not multiplying. We're, we're, I don't even know if we're adding. A 20-year-old college student by the name of Jeremiah Gray posted this last week in lieu of our, our, our political climate right now. And he is wise beyond his years. And I want to share what he wrote. I am proud to be from America. I enjoy my country, and I say this without shame. There will never be a time wherein I will be ashamed of where I'm from. But I recognize its shortcomings as a country, and I condemn all injustices that this country has committed and is still committing. It is simply not acceptable. 
However, all governments and countries are flawed, which speaks to the reality that we live in a fallen world. I expect governments to be defective because all people by nature are defective, because this world is defective. So why put my faith in people or governments in the first place? It will just lead to failure and unmet expectations. Do not put the burden of salvation on governments and people who aren't perfect in the first place. There is but one whom the burden of salvation is able to fall upon. His name is Jesus. And this Jesus gave his church, us, a job. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Bring them along on the spiritual journey, funneling down to righteousness that he sacrificed himself so that we could have a chance to have. Stop sitting over here. Now, if this is where you are, that's fine. But next year, if you start out as a spiritual infant and next year you're still a spiritual infant, that's when we have a problem. We need to identify where we are so that we can identify how to move forward. Again, these are not levels of, of greatness or, or of worth. If you've been a spiritual child for decades, fine. Learn your lesson and let's help each other. And next year, I want to see you become a spiritual young adult. Continue down the journey towards righteousness. Stick with us. Stick with us because over the next several weeks, as we unpack each stage of spiritual maturity, and we're going we're gonna to grow from one stage to the next. We need to be a church that is developing disciples that become full-fledged disciple-making parents so that we can be a multiplying church. Where are you on this journey? Do you know? If you don't, ask God to help you identify where you are. We're going to take the rest of the time just to pray. And I'm going to give you some time to do that on your own. And if you're joining us online, please stick with us. Please pray with us. Ask God, where are you on this journey? When is the last time you've allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you? What do you need to allow God to do? What do you need to allow God to do in your heart? in order for you to accurately identify where you are and how to keep moving down the road on this journey of spiritual maturity. What do you need to do? Take a class, get in a life group, serve, seek out a parent, seek out an infant to care for. I'm going to stop talking so that you can ask God to reveal how you can continuously transform towards righteousness. And that'll close us out in prayer.
Father, we simply do not have the words to, to express our thankfulness for the opportunity to receive righteousness, to be right with you in your eyes. It's only through your sacrificial death that we, that we can receive that gift. And we thank you for helping us to be born again. But Father, many of us need to grow and we need your help with that. Infants need to grow into children, children to young adults, young adults to parents because you told us to become like you. And you're the only one that can help us do that. So Father, I just ask to, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, help us identify where we are on this journey. Some of us veered off. Some of us got stuck. Some of us broke down. But Father, grant us the grace and the perseverance that it will take to get us back moving on this journey towards you. Give us new motivations. Give us courage to leave the selfishness, the consumerism behind and to grow into a world where we see the world through your eyes. We thank you. And Father, as we go through these next several weeks talking about how we can grow, how we can continue down this path to grow closer and closer to you, I just ask that you would continue to speak to us. Speak through me. Speak through Barry. Speak through, through Aaron Mack, who's teaching a class. Speak through all the teachers. Speak through the life group leaders in discussion. Help infants get paired up with, with parents. Help children understand their purpose in life so that they can grow into young adults. Father, we love you, and we want to be your church, your growing, multiplying church. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. It's all, I ask all these things in your name. Amen. So I'm very excited uh, for this series to continue. Um, I hope that you will continue on with us. We're going to add more to this chart as we go, but I just want to wish you all a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope to uh, see you again next week. If some of you wouldn't mind sticking back, we will be uh, pulling up the chairs for our student ministry. We've got some carts, so don't start stacking until we get the carts out. It's easier to put the, start the stacks on the carts. So thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Happy New Year, everybody.